A big strategy call for the 14 of Chase Briscoe, trying to win his way into the championship four. Bell's got to start making some moves here. There's the push for the lead. Bell to the inside. Now Bell pulling away with those fresher tires. The one and the 11 fighting to get in as the championship four. Bell out of turn four. He's going to do it. He's won his way into the championship. And the fight for the point right at the line. The one of Chastain past Hamlin. I have never seen anything like that before in my life. Ross Chastain used the wall all the way around this racetrack to race his way into the championship four. I mean, I've done that when I was eight years old on the GameCube with Chad growing up, and uh, you could get away with it, and I never knew if it would actually work. Nah, it was a great move, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, certainly a uh, uh, great move by, the, you know, when, when you have no other choice, uh, you know, it, it certainly is easy, easy to do that, but, uh, you know, well executed. And welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouse, along with the Professor Nate Ryan and Steve Latart. We are still all in awe. After watching all of that, I still can't believe what happened at Martinsville yesterday. Of course, the walk-off win by Christopher Bell is one thing. His crew chief, Adam Stevens, by the way, will drop by the show here in just a little bit. But it's the move of the year or decade or century. I don't know what to attach to it, Nate, by Ross Chastain that has everyone in the motorsports world talking. We, have, of course, want to hear your thoughts on that. 844-NASCAR-NBC uh, is how you dial in and chat with us. So let's go back to the moment it happened. Steve, what was your reaction as you're watching out the window the moment it happened? So my first reaction is, so I was kind of watching the 20 come by to make sure he didn't have an issue, watching the 11 to make sure he didn't have an issue, and I glanced up and saw the one with this ridiculous speed against the wall. I instantly thought he had hung a throttle. As a man, huh. this is, that's scary, right? We've yeah, seen yeah. that in Martinsville before. The throttle must have been hung. And then when it got to the middle of the corner, and it, it, was, it looked more than a th- hung throttle, um, <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I still, it's a good thing I was there in person because I'm not sure that I thought the video was real. Yes. When I re-see it, that's not sped up. That is absolutely real. I that's had a friend a- of mine pull the data. 60, so, so the truth is, Ross Chastain's speed sensor goes out in the middle of the corner, probably thinks it's wrecking. Um, but it's safe to say he was north of 130 miles an hour around like the one-third Insane. mark of the corner. To get that, put it in perspective, the car's in the groove. We're going 61 miles an hour. So it's wow. at least it's 60 or 65 miles an hour faster. <clears throat> Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm jibber-jabbering because my <laughs> eyes, that's the truth. The truth is I looked out the window and I'm like, I have no idea what I just saw. Yeah. I, I've done this my whole life, no clue. Well, watching on a monitor, it was like the same, just sort of like mouth agog, like how is this possible? I mean, you just explained it really well. Ross Chastain was going twice as fast as the guys <laughs> below him, which it looked like they were on normal speed, and somehow the upper frame was, like, on 2x speed. Like, I, it was inexplicable how he could be that fast and pass those many, that many cars. I mean, five cars in two turns. 2x is being generous. That's the one thing I have to remind everybody, <laughs> Nate. That is real speed. Right. I don't right. know how many times I said that on the post-race show last night. It looks night. like it's That's forward. real speed, everyone. We are not kidding. Christopher Bell thought, like, it was like, yeah. that's got to be, like, fast forward. When you guys were doing the winner's interview with him, uh, with DJ and Kyle, it's amazing. That's why I, I communicated back to our truck. I said, let's watch Christopher. Because right. he walked up to me and literally said, so what did Chastain do? I'm, everybody's talking about it. What did he do? Right. And I'm like, you've got to see it. Just hold on a second. That's why I said, let's put him in a box so you can see him live. And he's like, no way. Yeah. As he's watching it, he was like, that's got to be sped up. I'm like, it's, I so, promise, not sped up. So in, in eight years of working with Rick Allen, I have never tried to bother him in the last lap call. Right? He does such a great job of calling the action. And that's the first time he's calling it off a screen. I tap him on the shoulder. <laughs> a couple times and I start tapping a little firmer and then he kind of picks up the one and he told me today on the phone we talked about this he goes you've never even when you started tapping on the shoulder I go I don't know what's going on but it must be really big and he kind of looked up uh, and it was he did an amazing job of picking up the call yes, yes um, he did it, it's listen it'll never be duplicated never be replicated there'll only be one original move like that we've seen it attempted never successfully pulled off well now the the video game move is now going to be dubbed the Ross Chastain move, I think. I think yeah. you can go ahead and label it his name for sure. I'll, I'll give DJ a lot of credit. He said this on the post-race show, but I'll, I'll steal it here. Uh, NASCAR celebrates its 75-year anniversary mm. next year, and this will be a move that they're probably talking about 
at the 150th anniversary. Oh. They'll be talking about this move for the next 75 years. I mean, you asked Marty, like, years, decades. I mean, at least since, I would think, the pass in the grass by Earnhardt, which I think was 87. Which never was a pass. Which wasn't even a pass. It was a yeah. block of a pass. A great oh, yeah. non-pass in the grass, yeah, no doubt. Correct. Yes, yeah. right. Um, so, Nate, uh, kind of what's the fan reaction been? I mean, when he got out of the car, I mean, they absolutely went bananas when they showed him on the Jumbotron. It was, it was crazy, the fan reaction. I've, I've never heard that loud of an applause Certainly since Joey Logano got wrecked by Matt Kenseth, but, I mean, it was even louder than that, I feel like. I mean, it's a great moment for NASCAR because I think it was celebrated almost universally. I mean, you look at the, the views on the NASCAR NBC Twitter account where this video was posted, uh, well above 5 million That's earlier insane. today. I haven't That's checked ridiculous. most recently, but, I mean, like, when NASCAR can get that kind of seven-figure virality for one of its videos... Uh, especially when it's setting up the championship race in Phoenix this Sunday on NBC. I mean, it's a huge win for them, NASCAR, for them, Stevie, in terms of the exposure level. Well, and, and I think, you know, listen, we talked all week, hey, what's the race going to be like at Martinsville? We don't know. But we said here at this desk a week ago, there's going to be a moment. We don't know what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, I mm-hmm. thought the moment would involve maybe a couple cars and somebody wrecking. But this just reaffirms, this is kind of bigger than NASCAR, right? This just reaffirms why sports dominates the entertainment landscape. And it's because there's no script. We have no idea what's going to happen. And, and we really should be applauding every athlete that takes to a field, every driver that straps into a race car, because what Ross Chastain did, you know, when we say, what are you willing to do? You know, it's not hyperbole, right? What is he willing to do? He's willing to, at the end of a straightaway, at a half-mile track, instead of touching the brakes and turning left, he upshifted, stayed wide open, and turned right. And rode mm. the wall at a, north of 130 miles an hour. Like I, I was going down the interstate today, coming here at like 77, and I kind of was looking at the Jersey Bear. I'm like, no way! <laughs> There's no way that I think that was a good plan, and it worked. I want you to dive into that a little bit more on how it happened, Steve, because there's a lot to it. So we'll do that in a second. But I want to go on board and hear Ross Chastain's in-car camera and then also some driver reaction in-car immediately when it happened. Take a listen. Yeah, I got to get him beat, too. Keep coming. Keep coming. Hang on, man. What in the hell? Oh, my God. Coming to the checkered flag. I can't believe what I just saw. Talk to me, boys. You made the transfer. You made the transfer, man. That was fucking ridiculous, dude. Holy cow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, just insane. I mean, I, I the one I heard was Chase Briscoe's, and I'm, and I'm like, what did he just see? I, I, and I saw a little red streak, and I'm like, it doesn't – I couldn't calculate what all had happened at the, at the moment. It well, was just insane. Listen, it was the pass, passes, yep. corner. So it took me 30 seconds to a minute to think about – I wonder, you know, so I looked at the timing and scoring. It's, it's a sub-19-second lap at Martinsville. A I track mean, it was record. To over two-and-a-half seconds faster than the leader. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's insane. another way to put it in perspective, right? You know, new right. tires are worth about a second – he went two and a half seconds faster. So it, it was definitely uh, the, the move heard around the world. It was insane. And speaking of being heard around the world, I mean, I was shocked to see Fernando Alonso tweet about it, Nate. Roman right. Grosjean <laughs> tweeted yeah. about it today. Yeah. I mean, really, this has captured the motorsports world, and that's, really, that's what's been really surprising to me. Yeah, and Alonso, I think, put it in the perspective that I think a lot, a lot of the world was talking about, that they've played video games, they've done this in video games, uh, but this is the first time we've seen it in real life. And, Stevie, my question to you, I think, would be, I mean, Martinsville Speedway's been around since 1947. So, presumably, this is the first time a move like this has ever happened like this. Explain, like, why the physics worked where Ross Chastain could plant his car at 130 miles an hour in the wall, ride it around the wall for a few hundred feet, and go faster than the guys on the bottom. Is it the car? Like, what was different this so, time? So, I really believe there's a lot of circumstances that made it work here this time. The first thing is the car itself. Um, we talked about the in-car audio. Well, if you listen to Ross Chastain, when he comes down the back straightaway, so at Martinsville, it's a five-speed transmission, but you race in third and fourth. Uh, just how the ratios work out, you don't ever use fifth. So at any other track we've seen this attempted at, 
you're already kind of at max speed. So if you carry more speed into the corner, you're on the rev chip. Well, Ross Chastain had the ability to reach down and grab another gear, essentially high gear that wasn't even going to be used. So that, that gave him an extra 15, 20, 25 available miles an hour in engine speed. And then the car itself, when you look at the car after the race, the right side tires aren't even flat. So when you look at an Xfinity car or, or a truck, the tire itself, the sidewall is kind of bulbous, and it sticks out a few inches past the edge of the wheel. So when you hit the wall... It's like the old go-kart brake, man. Rubber on wheel, right? So it starts to slow down. Look at this car right here. This car just rode the wall at 130 miles an hour. The air is in the tire. So now look right here. While the Goodyear is missing, look at the wheel. More importantly, look at the center of the wheel. We talk a lot about the single lug nut. I actually believe that because of the low-profile tire, not the height, but the shape, it's flat. That when you get into the wall, which has been great, at Miami. It's been great at Darlington. Mm -hmm. We've seen great races. Well, now at Martinsville, when you put it up against the wall, instead of having that break of those two right side tires scrubbing in and squeezing the car to a stop, it was like a slot car. It was metal (laughs) on metal. I mean, if you go back and watch the replay, which we could watch a hundred times, there's some dust and debris, but there's no white tire smoke. Hmm. Like, like, you know, you've seen Xfinity cars get in the wall at Miami forever and old cup cars, that white tire smoke, and that's how you know they hit it too hard. I think those are the two extenuating circumstances. The availability of a high gear, higher than what's on the racetrack, and the car not mechanically slowing down, not the rubber against the road dragging it to a halt. And I think that's where... Uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion moving forward. Yeah, Mike Wheeler did the math on that today. He used his engineering skills and did the math on it, and I think you came up with the same math, about 130 miles an hour, more than double the amount of everybody on the inside lane, which is just ridiculous to think about it. Yeah, and more importantly, about 5Gs, I'll admit, um, it looked accurate. I sent it to my college-age son. He goes, yep, I agree with Mike. The math looks <laughs> that great. That sounds good, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's really... I mean, there's a lot of conversation about it, and nothing moving forward should take away from what Ross Chastain did. I think it's an important moment for me. Um, I know some people didn't like the move. I will tell you, as a crew chief that has rules in the rule book because of decisions I made, I felt like that was my ability to find an advantage that nobody else found. And I am not going to knock a driver who's done the same thing. My entire career was, hey, here are the rules. If it doesn't say I can't do something, then I'm going to do it for an advantage. In my opinion, what Ross Chastain did was no different than what crew chiefs have been doing since the beginning of time and what drivers have been doing. Maybe not to this level, but, I mean, that's why we have wave rounds, double yellow line rules, out of bounds at the road courses. Like, this is not something new. Uh, Bravo! Ross Chastain may get a rule written about him. I don't know, but when he did it, it should be celebrated. It was impressive. And, Nate, I think Ross Chastain's done a terrific job this year of saying, why not? Right. For right. years, and, and it's really worked for him, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I mean, that's been his mantra, Marty, and that's what he <laughs> said after the race, that when he hangs around with his buddies, it's, why not? And I, th- I think what's interesting is that kind of went away a little bit for the first couple rounds of the playoffs, where he certainly seemed like he was racing with a little less reckless abandon than we've seen. And then when the round of eight started, you know, he finished second at Homestead, finished second at Vegas. I felt like we saw a little bit of the old Ross Chastain, who, you know, gives no quarter to anybody on the track. But this was, this was peak Ross Chastain. This was when Justin Mark said, you know, we've got somebody in this car who wants it more than anybody else out there, and we'll rethink what is possible. That's what this was. I mean, again, like Martinsville's been around for 70-plus years, and no driver, I think, has attempted a move like this. And I think, like, we heard it in the, all the, those snippets we just played from all the other contenders. I think if Ryan Blaney knew this would work, I think if Chase Briscoe knew that, that this would work, they might have tried it, but Ross Chastain was unconventional enough it. to come up with it first and not just like think of it first, but have the bravery and the wherewithal just to go for it. So a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the move Bubba Wallace made in the suspension and how it was going to perhaps affect or tarnish a great year and change how people look at Bubba as a race car driver. What Ross Chastain right. did right there was completely, uh, I said it earlier to somebody, he, he kind of like reinvented himself. He'd been, like, baptized by the race fan, right? It doesn't matter who he hit. It doesn't matter what's happened this year. No, no one cares. If you have a beef with Ross Chastain and you decide to do something now, shame on you. You had your chance and you missed it because you know, now he yeah. did something amazing. He did something that reinvented it. And you know what he did? Something that it didn't have any sort of victim or any. Nobody got spun out. Nobody was wronged. Nobody was hit. He was vintage Ross Chastain. And, it, and if anyone 
has an issue with this. Like, he erased the entire year. Yeah. Any blemishes on his record, they're the gone. The easy example of that, Nate, is that he was literally booed at driver's introductions <laughs> right. very roundly. I mean, yeah. the crowd yeah. hated him yeah. and was – the opposite after the race. He was yeah. roundly cheered. Well, and the entire Phoenix. crowd cheered. Phoenix, he's got to be like the most popular. He's going to be the I hero. Mean, I mean, maybe I if Denny had done this, not only is he advanced in championship four, but his home state starts cheering him again. Hey, and I will give Denny credit, though. We had some different opinions on this. The guy oh, that I thought could right. have easily been pulled yeah. into looking at this as a negative, the first guy eliminated. Said props. He said, you know what? It was a good move. Denny well executed. Hugely complimentary. And I think also this is a good story about not just the driver, but the team. I mean, Trackhouse is about, as Justin Marks has said exactly. time and again, being the disruptors, being, we're going to do things differently. We're going to come in here and be an elite championship team. Well, here they are. They've made the championship round against Penske, against Hendrick, against Gibbs, and they've done it in a way that. People are going to talk about for years. I mean, yes, it was Ross Chastain who made the move, but he's been empowered to make that move because he's driving for Trackhouse. No doubt about it. Uh, We'd love to hear what you guys think at 844-NASCAR-NBC. The phone lines are pretty well jammed, but we'll start with Carson in North Carolina. Carson, what's your thought on the Ross Chastain move? Well, I appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, I was there yesterday sitting in turn four, and I saw a red streak shoot across the track, and I thought Ross (laughs) had been dumped. I thought somebody had gotten their revenge on him, but no, I, I turned to watch the race for the lead and come to find out that poetic justice had taken place and he passed everyone and knocked Denny out of the playoffs. So I guess my question for you guys is I heard some of the reactions from drivers after the race. I got to give Denny some props for what he said. He could have easily, you know, been negative about it, but he said, well executed. Uh, my guy Larson had some kind of lame sour grapes remarks about it. So I'm curious if you guys think they'll make a rule to try to prevent this. So that's the question, and uh, thank you for the call, bud. Uh, so I, th- I think everyone sort of initially liked it. They thought it was cool, but, you know, I was talking to our buddy James Hinchcliffe last night, Nate, and he did not like it very much. Yeah. Kyle Larson didn't like it very much. Joey Logano didn't like it very much. Should there be a rule made? I think that they're going to have to address it before Phoenix, Stevie, not just because of what drivers are saying, but just because of the, the way it looks. I mean, to, to Kyle Larson's point, and he might be the one guy who didn't like it from the outset. I mean, he said it was embarrassing and that he made this move at Darlington last year where he tried to ride the wall. And he was saying, like, if that inspired Ross Chastain to do this, then I wish I hadn't have done it. That uh, he felt like it puts NASCAR in a bad light. I think Logano thought, like, hey, it's cool that Ross did that. I can appreciate that. I can respect that. But we can't be doing this every week, and we can't have it deciding a championship race at Phoenix this Sunday. So, first of all, I'm fine if Larson didn't like it. I'm fine if uh, Logano didn't like it. I'm fine if drivers liked it. You know, I am of the opinion that drivers should have an opinion, and I'm okay that they all don't agree. I also am fine if NASCAR doesn't listen to any of them because they're the sanctioning <laughs> body, and they're going to have to do something. Right. So I have an opinion that it needs to be changed or addressed not as much from an optic standpoint, but purely from a safety standpoint. Walls aren't designed for this. There's a crossover gate off turn four at Martinsville. This could have become very, very dangerous for both Ross, another competitor, even a fan perhaps. Mm. And I think that this worked this time because of a tremendous amount of skill and because no one was expecting it. Well, just flip it. Same move that's expected and someone does throw a block. You're going to have a north of 100-mile-an-hour wreck at a short track. So there are some safety concerns, and I think NASCAR has an obligation to the drivers. We ask these drivers to do very tremendous things. Door-to-door at Talladega for two and a half, three hours is kind of enough. This move, while I want to remind everybody, I'm celebrating it. It was spectacular. I am fine with us hedging our bets and saying, how do we eliminate it? Now, I will say, near term, it might be as simple as we're not going to allow this. We're going to kind of try to reduce this. I do think longer, though, as I pointed out, there are some things on the car that could be adjusted where it's just not advantageous. That's the goal. Just make it where there's no advantage. Make it where the driver doesn't want to do that. That's the best part because I don't like track limits and I don't like inbounds, out-of-bounds type calls. That may be necessary near term, but I hope they follow it up with some car changes that just take it out of the driver's hands. And I'm going to disagree with Carson. I don't think what Larson was saying was sour grapes necessarily. I don't think like he thought like Lars, that you know Chastain shouldn't have been awarded the win or something like that or that somebody else should have been declared the winner. I just think that he's worried about the optics. And I'm a little bit leery here as well that I, and again, this is not to take anything away from Ross Chastain having the gumption and the ingenuity to make this move. But this is a season in which 
head injuries have been a storyline. Sure. I mean, during this race, we had Tyler Reddick get out of his car because he took an impact and said, my head wasn't right. And he tweeted today that he's going to go see a medical uh, doctor this, this week to see if he you know, make sure he's ensured to be cleared for Phoenix. Um, I just I don't know how comfortable NASCAR can be if this becomes a weekly thing. Like if if driving into a wall at 130 miles an hour and riding the wall at that speed is necessary to do well. Yeah. Um, in a year when the car is taking a lot of flack for how safe is it? I, I don't. I, that just doesn't feel right to me. Well, and I'll also add that I watch sports for. Um, I like to see the skill on display. And what I saw with Ross Chastain was skill. No one else did it. Danny Hamlin went through Ingenuity, their first. Ingenuity, all that. Ryan Blaine, right, right. So, so he gets that award. But the next guy to do it, I, I, I don't think that's as much skill as, as I'm just going to see if it works. And maybe bravery, but not skill as much. And for that reason, one more reason, I'm, I, not even just the safety, but just for the simple entertainment of racing and watching the best race car drivers, I do think it needs. Now the question is, it's easy to say we should do something, but are we talking like in the next six days? That's what I'm or talking about. Or are we talking about, about I mean, in like the next if, two months? If Scotty Logano is right? saying yeah. you, you, you can't have this inside a championship, maybe it, it has to be done. We talked about the Kyle Larson comments. We actually have them. I think it'd yeah. be worth Great. listening to them kind of the, so people at home can kind of get their perspective on it. Here's what Kyle Larson had to say to our Dustin Long after the race and the Ross Chastain move. Um, gosh, it's just a bad look. Like, that's... I'm embarrassed that I did it at Darlington and probably, you know, maybe if I didn't do it last year, people wouldn't even think to do that. So I'm embarrassed myself and glad that I didn't win that way. Um, and then that's just, it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. Between yesterday, how how embarrassing that was, the Xfinity race, and there at the finish, that's, that's just not, that's just, it's embarrassing. Uh, if, you don't, if you think that's fair, why would you think that's fair? I mean, it's part of the track. I mean, he used every inch of the track. It's. Driver goes for it. I don't know. It's just driver code. Is there a driver code anymore? I mean, there should be. I'm sorry. I said there should be. That's a great point. Is there a driver's code anymore? I, I think I, that's I, the, I don't the point Larson was one. making about Saturday that, like, he's thinking about it in terms of Ty Gibbs and what happened in the Xfinity we'll Series race. And, yeah. But so, so I will say this, regardless of what he said. Uh, we, you and I had this conversation. As the series defending champion, we talk a lot about these drivers and the roles mm-hmm. they have. Um, I thought that was a very mature conversation there. Whether you agree or disagree with what he was saying, he reminded me a little of the Jimmies and the Jeffs and the seniors and the guys that say, hey, I'm the champ, so I'm going to weigh in on this. Yeah. Knowing that he's going to get flack from one side or the other, because he could have sure. easily have just ducked the whole question. I don't know. Everybody will decide, you know, I'm off the Phoenix. But he didn't. He took his time to give us a nice, very calculated answer Right. Um, it, it's, it's almost like, I don't know, it seems like kind of a step for yeah. Kyle Larson no. saying, I'm, I'm comfortable now of being this guy. I appreciated that about Kyle Larson in that interview because we've talked before about the bluntness, the candor, but to me that was something bigger. Like I sensed a sense of uh, accountability, yeah. responsibility as like I'm speaking for NASCAR as a whole. I'm the defending series champion. I don't think that this is a good look for NASCAR. Yeah. Well, and to his point about it not being a good look, that's that was James Hinchcliffe's point to me last yeah. night when we were talking. He was like, it's just not a good look. I mean, you know, but I think to your point, Steve, the ingenuity, the, yeah, the yeah. craftiness, the braveness to pull it off. Yeah, I mean, do it once, right? Maybe it shouldn't be done moving forward. And so, if this will make this yeah. one even more special. Right. Ross will be the guy. He can put the picture on the mail. He's the only one to do uh, it. I do want to grab a couple more phone calls before we get out of here and wrap up this topic. David in Kentucky is on with us at 844-NASCAR-NBC. David, what's your thought on the Ross Chastain move? I thought his move was fantastic. It was unbelievable. He has some guts to try it. But I also think that NASCAR has to address it because if you get two or three guys trying it at the same time, it's going to be carnage. I think Dave's dead on. I think he's absolutely right. Like, let's, let's, let's not throw cold water on something that should be celebrated, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't address it. Yeah. Well, and you said this earlier today, Stevie. I mean, how many teams or drivers were in simulators this morning seeing if this might work in Phoenix. Like, if you're within two seconds of the lead at Martinsville the next time and there isn't a rule, why wouldn't you make this move on the last lap? Right. We all do need, as much as I'm not a big fan of rules, we all do need a little oversight (laughs) in our lives. The problem with rules is you have to enforce them. 
Always. Yeah. That is the challenge. I think our buddy NASCAR is on the line as well, and I think he also has the same opinion that, you know, listen, this really should just be celebrated as a move by Ross Chastain. Maybe not do it moving forward, but uh, NASCAR, what's your thought on the Ross Chastain move? Holy mother of pearl, the years I've watched NASCAR, if that wasn't freaking excellent. Steve, I agree. Whatever that man did all year long, it's done. I mean, I couldn't, like you said, in real time, I'm like, are you serious? Now, here's my, the drivers, I agree with safety and everything you guys say. But I want carnage. I want more of that. Can you believe what our sport, the people that don't even watch our sport now are looking at this? I do agree with the safety. I do agree with that. But please, more of it. What guts? And the last thing, I'll end you with this. Randy Moss on ESPN has a segment. Well, we just changed it. I'm sorry, Denny Hamlin. You just got lost. I'm sorry, but let's get some more of it. Thank you, guys. We'll see you Wednesday. I want more of it. There you go. I was confident that Nas Carl, longtime caller, mm-hmm. wasn't going to bring up his man, Ryan <laughs> Newman. We'll just go ahead and leave it at that. Yeah, that's right. Nas Carl, tough right. day for old Newman. Yeah, I know. That one uh, didn't work out for Newman. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, good um, run, gone bad. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the, on the point of not letting it happen, Steve, you brought up a great point on our call. There are a few things NASCAR could do, like at a track like this where you don't use fifth gear. You can lock out fifth gear. There's a few little things NASCAR could do, maybe mechanically, to make something like this where it would not work. I think you could do some stuff to the car where it's not advantageous for the driver to do it. I think also, I know we talk about rules, and they can be relatively general at times. And sometimes you can just say, guys, we all know what that was. We're just not going to allow it. In our judgment, if you if you don't make any attempt to make the corner, and you made a video game style you know video game style move, yep. we're just not going to allow it. So to quote someone who I respect very dearly, Mike Kelton, don't force us to get involved. That's what he yeah. used to say many many times right. to the crew chiefs, and we understood what that meant. Oh, sure that meant did. that you are adults. You know where the limit is. And I think it can be done in the near term for Phoenix. To your point, you could easily simply say, because I don't want, if a guy hits the wall because he drove in too deep, that's all fine. This is so far outside of that. I have the data. He never lifted. It was clear, right? So I think NASCAR, it wouldn't take, it wouldn't take a scribe and a lawyer to get this rule out. It would take about 15 minutes with the drivers in and say, all right, guys, it's, don't do it's it not going to be allowed. As simple as just saying. Yeah, if, you no need, if you need to define it, yeah. you're already too close to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nate, what we have to do is we have to work on the name. We have, to, we have to name this somehow. I think we can make something like that happen something on social like media. Something like passing the grass, but a little bit more <laughs> yeah, accurate, something factually. like, you know, yeah. you've been Rossed or something I like, like that. You know, That's good. Trade, you trademark it. Yeah. You should have trademarked yeah. it. Yeah, should've yeah trademarked it. you should have trademarked yeah. that, buddy. So, we're certainly good stuff. And we haven't even talked about the race winner yet, Christopher Oh, Bell. just a walk-off win? Second just round of the playoffs? Just a walk-off win. Second time they've done it in <laughs> back-to-back rounds. I mean, just amazing stuff from Christopher Bell and his race team. So when we come back, Adam Stevens will join us. Uh, Christopher Bell's crew chief will talk about the back-to-back walk-off wins for that race team and advancing the championship for when Motormouse returns. Adam Stevens will be here. We'll talk about Christopher Bell's big win at Martinsville. Steve, championship weekend. We got a lot going on. Oh, listen, you name it, we have it. We got a little horse racing, Breeders' Cup, then a big matchup, Clemson-Notre Clemson, Dame. Dame. I didn't think the it was going to be very good, but after Notre Dame <laughs> knocked off Syracuse, now I'm thinking maybe, you know, it's going to be a heck something. of a battle, a Saturday Night Live. But you, listen, you're going to want to be around on Sunday. A little championship racing at Phoenix, and then the Chiefs, Mahomes. Second Titans, best quarterback. Because I've already said that, Mark, that I hate to say this, but I think Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL. And as a Patriots fan, it, it kills me to Yeah, see I know that. I'm going to draw up the Chiefs' defensive plan. Please stop. Please stop, King Henry. I mean, he only had 219 yards rushing and two yeah. touchdowns what on are you Sunday. you going against him in fantasy? Good it sounds grief. a little personal. It does. Um, <laughs> anyway, championship weekend, Sunday on NBC, 3 p.m. for the Cup Series. Adam Stevens and Christopher Bell will be a part of that championship weekend. Happy to have Adam join us right now. So I'm quite positive, Adam, that the Roval and Charlotte were circled as the two races you could win in the playoffs going Going in right <laughs> or um, Robel and yeah, Martinsville yeah, exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah we had those circled um yeah they were <laughs> probably not top of the list to be completely honest with you but uh when you gotta get it done you find a way to get it done I guess 
That's exactly right. So I want to talk to you about the Martinsville race. At what point do you think we're in the game, we can win this thing? I'd say um, at the end of practice, to be honest. Um, really? We weren't exactly happy with the balance, but the lap times with laps on tires were, were good. They were right there with the best cars we felt like, and we felt like we had room to improve just with some basic changes. And, um, you know, the, the test didn't go that well for us, but we learned enough things not to do, and we're able to take those notes and, and crisscross them with the 11 team's notes. They were pretty happy and kind of take that setup and make it our own and, and make it suited for what Bell needed to do. And uh, I really felt like at the end of practice, we were going to have something we could race with. So, Adam, the backdrop really says it all about your success in the sport. It's full of trophies, and you've deserved every one of them. I want to talk about this group. Early half of the year, I thought the 20 had good speed, and I was one of the analysts that was critical about execution, pit stops, different things. But the second half, man, it got all cleaned up, and now when it matters most, it is unbelievable the performance you're putting on with this 20 car. Talk about both pit crew, driver, the entire team. You've been a part of some special teams. Now, this one has to rank pretty high, though, with this pressure pack performance. Yeah, you know, it's just been a, a steep climb to where we're at. And, you know, at the start of the year, we did a really good job of, of digging a hole. And it wasn't because we lacked speed, but we really lacked execution for the whole weekend. And whether that was a, a pit road mistake or a bad call or an error on the racetrack, we couldn't translate the splashes of speed that we had into solid finishes. And where we've really rounded the corner and gotten better is – executing whole weekends and uh, reducing our mistakes. And on top of that, you know, Bell and I's chemistry, it coupled with uh, my engineers, um, just our ability to translate what he's feeling in the car into changes that make the car do what he wants to do. And that, that progress has been exponential. And we see that even if we don't unload that great, um, we have the tools and the capability to improve our situation um, throughout the race weekend and throughout the race itself. So those are the two areas that we've really improved. Hey, Adam, I want to ask you about that chemistry. Uh, before we interviewed you on the post-race show yesterday, we actually had uh, Bell being interviewed by Marty, DJ, and Kyle Petty. And I want to tell you what Seabell said. He said, I'm just the placeholder. I have the best team in the sport. I'm the lucky guy who gets to hold the wheel. Uh, obviously, he's an extremely talented driver, but he's very complimentary of you and all of the guys in that team. You've won two championships already in the Cup Series. Do you feel like you have that same chemistry with this team now? Oh, absolutely. Um, there's no question. Just the, the amount that Bell puts into what he's doing and what needs to be done is incredible. And the amount of talent that he has, it can't be hidden, you know? And it's just a matter of time um, whether it's this year or next year or the year after before he is, I mean, winning races every single weekend and a threat for the championship every single year. Um, it just takes time in these cars and, and learning your competitors. And, and, you know, when he came into the Cup Series, they, we didn't have practice. Yeah, yeah. So that's tough um, to gel with uh, his crew chief his rookie year, Jason, who's an extremely smart guy and a good friend of mine. And and then come over to Joe Gibbs Racing, and, and we didn't have practice in, in 2021, really. So this year we've had a little bit of time, to, to more track time to work together and understand each other and figure out that feel that he's looking for. And um, it, it's just made the, the growth um, exponential. So, um, But as far as the team, you know, this is a lot of the same guys that um, have been with me for a, a number of years. And, um, you know, a couple guys have moved on inside the company and with uh, promotions that I couldn't give them at the time. And, and they're still close and close to me and uh, close to the existing team. And, and, you know, this, the amount of chemistry that we have um, is a lot like the championship teams from years past. And um, I just so fortunate to have such a dedicated group of guys that are so good and want the best for each other individually and collectively what that means for the whole team. So, Adam, while we know Seabell is talented, I don't think that's in question. It is true, right? At 27 years old, he only has 107 starts, mm. four wins. And, and, and I don't say that as a negative. I say that as that's just the facts of how young he is in this series. You, that team you just spoke of, the experience around you, how do you now take 
that younger style driver and put him on the biggest stage, right? Because now you're going this week where the whole season was to make it to the championship four. Well, congratulations, you've done it. Now it's to go get the biggest trophy. So take me through that week. I know you've done it. You've done it twice. You've proven it can be done. What, what's your role to prepare someone for what's happening this weekend? Well, I think, um, you know, there's a couple things going on. You know, today it's, it's really nuts and bolts and weekend planning. Um, but as we get a little closer to the weekend, you know, these cars got to load up and leave probably lunchtime on Wednesday. There'll be some time later in the week that we can sit down and focus on how we are going to attack the weekend. You know, what are we trying to accomplish in practice? What's the balance we're looking for? How do we expect the track to change? How's that going to transition into the race? You know, there's all kinds of different rubber going down throughout the weekend and just stepping through the weekend, you know, minute by minute and trying to understand the curveballs that might be thrown at us. And, and, you know, for a guy like Bell um, or any driver, the, the hardest part is everything leading up to it, right? Because everything's racing through your mind. It's hard to put things in order. It's hard to make sense of a lot of things. You have a lot of extra demands on your time. Um, but once the weekend starts, it feels a lot more like a routine. And it's going to be who brings the best car and who does the best job. And there might be a little situational um, stuff sprinkled in there and a little bit of good fortune, a little bit of misfortune. But by and large, who does the best job is going to get that trophy. And We're- the other part of it, too, is, is with the, the over-the-wall guys. You know, a lot of those guys are young. They've never been to a championship um, race like this. And, and we'll have a sit down with them, too, and, and just talk about what they're going to see, what they're going to experience, and what it's going to take to keep their focus, um, you know, on the biggest stage. We're going to be part of that distraction. We're going to steal his driver on Thursday. Yeah, no, yeah, for like them, But then I'm done with him, Adam. You can have him back <laughs> starting Friday morning. I won't bother your driver anymore. All right. Adam, let's grab a phone call here at 844-NASCAR-NBC. James from New York. You're on with Adam Stevens. Go ahead, James. Hey, Adam. I uh, just want to say congratulations on your win. And uh, I just wanted to ask, uh, what was your initial reaction as well as Christopher Bell's reaction to Ross Chastain's incredible drive in turns three and four on the last lap <laughs> at Martinsville yesterday? Well, you know what? It, it still hasn't even sunk in for me. I have never in my life seen a more gutsy move than what he did. Um, and it's one thing to have the thought to make that move, but to make your physical body shift to fifth and mash the gas when you've been shifting to third and mashing the brake, when you see that wall coming at you, I can't imagine the conversation he had with himself going down the backstretch to make that happen. Um, just amazing. And, and when I first saw the clip, um, I think it might have been on the big screen or it might have been on my phone. And I'm like, well, of course it looks impressive when they play it double time. I mean, it looks like he's <laughs> fast. I mean, big deal, right? And then I'm like, no, that's that's real time. And I, and I still can't believe it. I've, I've looked at the SMT data 10 times and shown everybody that's come to my uh, office to, you know, congratulate us on the win. And, and it's it's just amazing. Yeah, it was definitely a hold your breath moment. Uh, you're, you've had a couple of those in these Seabell wins, Adam. I mean, your pit calls have been critical. I know that Seabell's driving the car, but you've put him in position to win both at the Roval and Martinsville. Uh, you just mentioned, like, no curveballs is something that you try to make sure is understood. And, and Seabell told us yesterday that you had said, hey, if there's a late caution, it's a pit stop, it's four tires. How did that preparation play into to yesterday's victory? And did that give you some confidence, even though it was sort of up in the air there at the end, that you guys could still bring it home? Yeah, I, I think he may have simplified our conversation a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, we don't make those decisions um, prior to the, the weekend. You know, we talk about scenarios and, and some of the scenarios that we had laid out, that was going to be the clear decision. So, it, you know, it all depends on what everybody else does, right? And when you're the leader, you're in a bad spot. And, you know, if if 10 cars would have stayed out, we weren't going to win that race. And restarting third row was about where I thought we would start. And, you know, we could have been at the mercy of a couple downstream cautions too. We, we could have had a restart wreck behind us and a long cleanup and not had enough green flag laps to get back there. So um, it's all situational, but, you know, you watch a lot of film, you, you go through a lot of data, you try to gauge your competitors and put yourself in their shoes. And 
you have to do all this very quickly now, but uh, it has to be done. So, um, sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's, great. Uh, it's, uh, it's just uh, part of the job, and it's something that, that you prep, prep for every week, and, and thankfully the last two, it's worked out. Hey, for what it's worth, I had to get the SMT data sent to me because I was like, <laughs> like, wide open, wide open. Like, how was it? And um, the data, as a data guy, much like yourself, it's only it's, it only makes the video even more impressive to know what he was doing behind <laughs> the wheel. Insane. So, man, insane. I don't want that to overshadow, though. I mean, listen, two walk-off wins in the playoffs, that, that, is, that is very, very impressive. And I know you're not done yet, Adam. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I'll bother, I'm going to bother your driver on Thursday, but now you, I'm going to come bother you either Friday or Saturday, so I'll come see you in the garage area. Actually, he's bothering never, you never Sunday, pre-race. Never about it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Hey, best of luck on getting championship number three. We'll see you on, in Phoenix, Adam. Hey, we're going to give it all we got, guys. I promise you that. And might I add, uh, go Irish. Oh, oh, look at that. that. You got it in. It you got it in. It's been a bumpy year, but the Irish are coming back. I like it. All right, I like buddy. it. See you in Phoenix. Adam oh. Stevens joining us here. Just incredible what they've been able to do and to, and to pull. You know, it's only been done four times in playoff history, and they got they got walk-off wins in back-to-back rounds. And, it's just and, and only four career wins. Like, you got to put it in ridiculous. perspective, right? Like, sometimes I'm bad at forgetting. You know, you see these guys kind of week in and week out, and you forget about – I, I, we know how good Adam is, but Christopher is so talented. You forget yeah. it's only his fourth win. Yeah. And 107 yeah. starts. Like, it's just, I mean, it's just not a tremendous amount of wins. Yeah, this was the stat I wanted to talk about. I mean, he's, just, he's so clutch, and the team is so clutch. I mean, look at that list. Only one other driver has two walk-off wins in the playoffs, and it's Kevin Harvick. Just insane. And now Christopher Bell is the other name on that list of guys who have done this more than once, which is just you know, I don't know what it is. We heard Adam Stevens just talking about it there, but obviously this team, Stevie, has that chemistry. I mean, he said it. Like, a lot of these guys were on the 2015-2019 Kyle Busch championship teams, and they still have that, that championship DNA, clearly. I mean, some at some point, uh, you could talk about it. You talk scenarios. You could practice all the pit stops you want in the parking lot. Uh, at some point, you have to go on the biggest stage. And that's where I asked that question about Phoenix because I don't know. I think if the stage isn't actually smaller. Like, as he went in, too, thinking he had to win. Now, he's going to have to win Phoenix, but, but it's going to go one way or the other for this 20 car. I really believe it. You're either going to be emotionally exhausted from what's happened over the last six or eight weeks and what it took to make the championship race, or you are at an absolute emotional high, and you're going to walk in there on your tiptoes thinking you can't be beat. When we come back, a little more on Christopher Bell and his big win at Martinsville to get into the championship four. And also coming up in a bit, we'll talk about the championship four and we'll kind of handicap who we think will be good Sunday and Saturday in Phoenix this weekend as NASCAR heads to championship weekend. Ty Gibbs, Noah Gregson making up row one. Brandon Jones, Sheldon Creed make up row two. Big push by the 19. And he gets to the inside again. Three wide as they come out of two. He's sideways, but he lurches out front. One more time around. Jones gets tagged by the 54. Ty Gibbs sees the checkered yellow flags. And the way they finished, it will be Allgaier that would advance to the championship four. Ty Gibbs punted. The 19 of Brandon Jones. It's one thing to get moved out of your way by your teammate. It's a whole other thing to get wrecked by him. I definitely didn't want to wreck him, but I wanted to get him out of the groove. I feel like we lost earlier at the spring race just in the same way. I didn't expect to get wrecked in the one. That's that's for sure, you know. So um, uh, me and Ty have always been kind of friends, but lost, lost all respect today. I know a lot of guys on pit road have. how it went down Saturday night in Martinsville. Doesn't taste any better this time around either. Uh, Ty Gibbs, a controversial move to get the win. Uh, let's be honest, Steve. I mean, does anyone, especially when you watch for the second time, other than Ty Gibbs, think that that's a good move? Well, so, you know, it's funny. We, we get asked to kind of, at the, at the blink of an eye, analyze these situations. And sometimes when I watch a race back, I'm like, mm, missed that one a little bit. Should have been this way. Should have been this way. I've watched this back five times. I said it on Saturday. I'll say it again. I'm just completely unimpressed with what the driver of the 54 decided to do in the closing laps. Um, I was a little shocked they were as aggressive as they were on the restarts, almost celebrated it. Maybe we should be thankful that teammates are racing each other that hard. Yeah. But to just flat run a guy over by hitting him in the rear bumper, shipping him off into turn one, um, that is unimpressive. The celebration doubles down for me. 
If you really didn't mean to wreck them, as Ty said, you only meant to move them, at some point the situation should hit you and you'd be like, well, maybe doing a burnout all the way down the front stretch and then egging the crowd on isn't a double down and saying, whoops, I made a mistake. Um, not to mention that they're teammates, not to mention what was on the line. I just, I'm having a hard time seeing every, any other angle uh, other than disappointment from the 54 in this situation. I, mean, I think the fact that there are two other people named Gibbs who didn't like what happened there yeah, correct. says it all. I mean, Joe Gibbs said, you know, this is a learning experience for Ty. We hope he learns from it, but we certainly didn't want it. And Coy Gibbs, who Joe Gibbs racing executive, and Ty's father said that he had talked about it and told Ty, hey, we're disappointed and you need to temper your aggression. I mean, I think th- what strikes me about this is, in your point, Stevie, like the, the celebration and the lack of remorse I mean, this is his family's team, and he just took out a sponsor. And he spent the entire year undoing everything yes. he had done well, in this well, I mean, So hold on. So I'm going to back up, though. I don't see it that – hope what? When is he going to learn? When he punches the guy at Martinsville? When he swerves at the pit crew in the cup car? Like, it's been a year of mistakes out of this driver. I have yet to see him right, turn so, the corner at all on so, anything. So that raises another question. Is Ty Gibbs – we all presume he's going to cup next year. Hasn't been announced yet, but is he ready to go to cup? Talent-wise, yes. Maturity, not even close. Wow. And that's my assessment. Is he talented enough to be a cup driver? Absolutely. The kid's mm. unbelievable. He has all the talent. But the maturity in the heat of the moment, swerving at a guy on pit road, right? I, I can oversee that. Wrecking your teammate, not very good. Okay, one more. How many strikes, how many checkboxes do you have to have until you're just not? Now, listen, I'm, we're being harsh. He's a 20-year-old race car driver, right? He, he's going to be great. He's going to be fine. Christopher Bell's 27. Seven years is a long time, right? He only has 100 races at 27 years old. I mean, that, that's my point. Is it's, and I like what Coy had to say about we hope to make these mistakes at the lower levels. I do agree that. We forget this is an Xfinity series. This is exactly where you should be learning. So, so you know, and he's doing it under the spotlight because he's so good and because he does drive for his grandfather. But I'm frustrated with the, well, we hope it gets better. We're going to talk to him. It's the same. You could take that press release and repeat it four or five times this year. I mean, at some point... I, I want something to change, and I'm disappointed because in, in qualifying, I thought he gave the best interview ever. We said it right live on air. Yeah. He was, like, personable. He was himself. He's a great kid with a tremendous amount of talent. We just need to find a way to help his decision-making. And now that is a learned task. We see it with a lot of athletes. You can learn about controlling yourself in certain situations. That would be what it, if I was in charge of Ty Gibbs, if I worked at Joe Gibbs Racing, it wouldn't be about driving talent. I would go outside a golfer. Yeah. People that have, you know, the emotion of the situation, that's what he has to get better at. Real quick, could it haunt him this weekend in the championship for Phoenix? I mean, I think it's, it's fair to ask. He's racing against three other junior motorsports cars in the championship round. There's a fourth junior motorsports car. They're now a fifth because Brandon Jones, even though he's driving for Gibbs this weekend, I mean, does he switch teams and make life really hard on Ty Gibbs? I don't see why he wouldn't. So I, I think that his path to the title does get a little bit harder. Be, beware of the heartbroken. And I say that because Brandon Jones didn't get out mad, furious, throwing things. We see drivers say that all the time and then never follow up with what they say. What I saw was a driver who was heartbroken, who got consoled by his partner, and his chance at the championship is gone. You don't get over that anywhere near as quickly as you get over anger. So be very, very careful. I'd be weary of the heartbroken. When that 19-year-old driver, he looked heartbroken to me. And when we come back, we will talk about the championship four and all the permutations therein. Xfinity and Cup, they'll decide a champion this weekend. We'll preview what these guys think coming up next. Nate, Steve walked us through the busy weekend schedule, but, I mean, it's packed the whole week, well, isn't it? Look, just oh, look, look who look the guest is. Thursday. We got Dale, Steve Dale LeTart Jr. and the Dale Jr. download. I know Funny how that works. fire up Peacock to watch that tomorrow at 6 p.m. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, look at all the other stuff. We got MotoGP championship race. It's a championship weekend, not just NASCAR, but MotoGP and Valencia. Valencia is a I will fantastic say, venue, um, by the way. I will say the Dale Jr. download. Uh, yes. Ty Gibbs is a topic of discussion on there, and wow. Dale Jr. has some very, very interesting take on it. I think everybody should die, watch There it. you go. How about that? So the Xfinity Series Championship is on USA. The Cup Series Championship on NBC. But the Xfinity Series, here's how it breaks down, Steve, uh, for Drivers in the championship race, three from junior motorsports. Well, I think the 54, it's, it's, I won't say safe to say, but it wouldn't shock me if he has the most pace. The Joe Gibbs Toyota, I think, has outpaced junior motorsports uh, everywhere, but maybe the mile and a half. But I'm going to tell you, um, I can make a case for all four of them winning a championship, but something just feels like it's Noah's year. His, I used to think it was kind of a, his, I want his, 
maybe a shtick or something. Yes. Because you have seen that, like, people create this (laughs) persona, right? Like, hey, I'm going to be this sort of way. Actually, he's convinced me. It's not that at all. I think that's just him. I think he has never had more fun driving a race car. And for that reason, I think Noah can just move through the pressure. Comfortable in his own skin. He's my pick, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Having the, they have the same car they won Phoenix with in the spring. Does it help or hurt that there's three JRM cars in? Um, I don't think it really matters. After how hard I watched them race each other at Martinsville, uh, there was one replay where the one hit the seven who wrecked the eight. I took it for junior because I told him, hey, you got the trifecta. Congratulations. They all hit each other. Uh, I really awesome. believe, you know, you know yep. I think if the organization is structured correctly, I don't think it hurts or helps. Uh, and I think they have the structure correct. They were racing against each other all year. Why would it be any different? Nate, here is the Cup Series championship for drivers. Who, who would have an advantage at Phoenix. I mean, any idea? I or mean, is it fairly even? If you go by wins, Joey Logano has the most wins, but Chase Elliott won the championship race there in 2020, so he's won there under that title pressure. Ross Chastain finished second at Phoenix in March, and then you yes, got Seabell who says this is one of his best tracks. He feels like this is tailor-made for him to win the title. We just heard Adam Stevens pretty much say the same. They really like Bell's chances. He celebrated, actually, when they moved it to Phoenix. So I want to ask you, Steve, how much is momentum worth and who has more, Christopher Bell or Ross Chastain? Well, I think momentum is real um, to a point. Who has more between those two? I would say probably Christopher Bell because he has gone to victory lane, which is what I think it's going to take. But what I will say is what, what, what changes is the elite athlete, they can step up to those moments, the Super Bowl moments, the, the, the championship race moment. And I think... Handicapping is impossible because I could give you a great argument for all of them, right? Joey Logano has the first one in, so they've been working on their car the longest they're playing, the longest they probably are going to use the 60-minute practice the best because they've had the most time. Chase Elliott has had the most – I'm not going to call it lackluster. What I'm going to call it is less off the highlight reel, which is really kind of his signature. He's advanced all the way through, has the most wins this year. Why can't they step up? Christopher Bell, how can you rule out a guy that's gone two for two on walk-off wins? And then the mantra, I'm on board. Why not Ross Chastain? At this point, I'm going to have to say it's a great, it's a great tagline because I'm even saying it. I mean, you can make a case for him, and that's been the narrative of the season. I mean, expect the unexpected, right? It wouldn't surprise me if any of these guys win the championship. But if I had to pick one guy who I feel like is the favorite, it is Logano, just because he's got the most experience. He's won the championship. He won two weeks early. Uh, I just feel like demeanor-wise, makeup-wise, he's best suited to handle everything that goes around this race. And listen, the one pit box might completely prove me wrong, and, and I'd be happy if he did. But we're also getting a real heavyweight battle with the other three crew chiefs when you look at the entirety of the NASCAR oh, garage sure, area yes. and who it is. And we're going to put Allen against Paul against Adam Stevens. I mean, those, those three. Those three of the best in the garage area. Strategy, setup. Experience, yeah. experience in this situation at yeah. the biggest rate. Right. Like, like, it's just... It's lining up for so many that I truly believe the reason you can't handicap it because it's not going to be about performance and it's not going to be about the fastest car. I really think it's going to come down to a moment. It's going to come down to a restart or a pit stop or like the smallest, smallest, smallest thing is what's going to just like last this. year, I mean, just like that. And you know what? We should applaud it because yeah. it is going to be a heavyweight battle. Real quick, full practice session. You briefly mentioned it. How critical is that? Well, I think it's a huge advantage to Joe Logano, who's known for two weeks he's into this playoff or into this championship race. He has 60 minutes. Uh, for everyone else, it can be almost a deterrent. Remember, we haven't done it all year long. So, you know, can you get yourself dialed out? We're on the air Friday with those practice sessions there on USA and also USA Saturday for the Xfinity Series Championship. Cup Series Sunday on NBC. We'll see you from Phoenix. Motormouse back here on Wednesday at 6 p.m.